<laughs> oh, you're so getting ready for that. <laughs> I've started it. We're, we're going. We're going. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Natty Scene, episode seven. Hope you're all good and hope you've had a good week. It's back to, to myself and George this week for a little bit of an update on proceedings and also answering, as always, as, as in depth as we can possibly go, your listener questions. Yep. So, uh, yeah, George, how is things? We obviously had a little bit of a chat before we came on. Um, we're both in pretty similar situations at the moment, but uh, yeah, what's going on your end? So the past week has been a little bit up and down in terms of gym performance. Just I know that I'm due a D-Lo, like, you know, yawning throughout the day, which is rare for me, just feeling lack of motor. Like I told you yesterday, I went through a phase of just, I can't be fucked. I, I got to a point of training where I was there yesterday and I was like, oh, I can't be fucked at all, which is rarely ever like me. And I know that I'm pushed it too far. Um, and joints are starting to hurt, like picking up niggles in my forearms, my elbows and stuff like that. Don't know where that's came from. Um, so now I'm in deload. I messaged you yesterday. I'm like, right, I'm taking a deload. Went to my gym session yesterday. I think I did three exercise, no, four, four sets across two exercises. Regressed on everything. And I was like, nah, fuck this, fuck this. And I just, there's no point in me just going throughout the session because my mind just flicked. And I was just in like deload mode from set two. Um, and I was just like, right, let's just not do this. And I just went home and uh, forgot about that session after having my nat- my little natty rage. Um, and throughout the weeks, things have been up and down. Recovery's just meh. Uh, I kind of know when when I know that I'm due like a deload, for example, I just really my head just flicks that switch and I just yeah, everything just goes deload mode and yep. sessions are half-hearted. So now my plan of action is I've taken Wednesday off. I took pretty much yesterday off and crew four sets as a, as a workout at all. Going to take today off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then get back to it on uh, Monday. Um, and that seems to work for me, the five-day deload, sort of, or four or five-day deload. Um, but apart from that, you know, it's been okay. Uh, hunger, hunger's still relatively high, feeling good, feeling, feeling good, just, I mean, happy in life in general. Like, I'm happy with the job that I'm doing work wise, like the misses taking the dog out, all that time, that makes me happy. But Jim's just been frustrating the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I know that I'm due a deload. So I just taken the deload is the hardest bit for me. I don't like taking deloads. I like to just push through it, yep. but my body just bites back at me. Like, especially last couple of nights, well, not last night, but night, a couple of nights before my sleep was just broken. Like every two hours I'd be waking up, waking up. And it's just, when I know my sleep is like that, that's when I'm, I'm due a deload. And I just sacked it in yesterday and said, yep, deload is uh, due. But other than that, I'm all good, mate. I'm all happy most of the time. And uh, good. cracking on what needs to be done. Good. Do you notice you look any different on a deload as well? Like, do you notice visually you're looking more watery or soft or anything like that? I know you're in off season, so it's not as much as you would in prep, but do you notice any difference? The only thing I notice is my pumps are not as good. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm nowhere near as like. For example, when I come out of a deload, I'm I'm way more sore quite often. I'm yeah. not sore at all. Even if I'm doing, it, don't get me wrong, I don't chase soreness. But if I do something in regards to progressing a lift or something different in terms of maybe implementing a few different exercises, I'm typically sore from just implementing one or two movements which my body's not used to. But right now. I, I'm not sore at all. Um, it's just more just injuries are starting to pick up. Um, in terms of looking different, I wouldn't say it's hard to, it's hard to really tell. 
if I'm honest with you. I don't think I look much different, but I don't lack, I just lack a more softer look. Um, like as you mentioned, a bit of a watery look. Yeah. And obviously over a deload, I always just look like I don't train. I turn to like an overweight skinny child and I don't have that pump factor to, to the train, to what happens when you train. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I, I tend to feel not much difference now, but um, yeah, I just feel, I just look like shit. When I when I know I need to deload, which is annoying, but it is what it is. I don't really look at myself often much. Like I'm sh- I normally shave my body every two weeks. I'm shaving my body for about four weeks. Bushy is every. I'm, I'm growing hair where I've never grown hair. You know what I mean? Like it's starting to turn into like a werewolf. That's the issue with shaving yourself. Though, like the moment you start shaving yourself with that level of consistency, you're just going to grow it back so much more, and yeah, going to get like more and more and more to the point where you, if you don't shave, you're like some fucking werewolf. Yeah. And you just let yourself go in it in the off season. Whereas on prep, I was like every week shaving, make sure I'm on top. If I if I knew I had to check in with yourself, I'll be like, right, I'm shaving like before so I can make sure that you can see every single bit of detail. But now I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. I've got a full yeah. power body on the go. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair enough. I can't remember the fucking last time I shaved. I think it was when, because when I did my mini cut, I was shaving a little bit more frequently because you just like to, because you know that it's going to make a difference to the photos. Yeah. Like right now, it makes no fucking difference. Like, you, you shave and you're like, oh, oh yeah, I'm still fat. <laughs> I'm still, 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 still like, just look like a cloud. Um, How was your week? Yeah, similar to yours, to be honest, mate, in terms of like, training side of things. So, and the front end of the week was pretty good. And obviously, since training a little bit more frequently with Cuba and Jimmy, it's been like you can't really go into a session like that and feel demotivated, but I, I, like we all notice the last time Cuba took a rest was like three four weeks ago, but it was only for like three days, and then uh, Jimmy was even longer than that. So we all noticed there were just like and, and me was uh, six seven weeks ago. It was pretty much the same time as you that I took like my last rest, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we all just noticed that. Just generally, everything was feeling a little bit heavier, um, and we were talking about our sleep and our appetite, and this is why it's like I'm liking having a little bit of you know training partners now and again on like pull and legs, um, because you get to chat with someone, and obviously you know for you you get to chat with me, and it's like a coaching relationship, which is good because it allows you to think a bit more. Um, but when you're training with someone, it's like pretty much like every other day or something, you actually get to like you know, really bounce ideas off each other. And obviously Cuba and Jimmy are very experienced and very knowledgeable. So, yeah, you know, he'll ask me something or I'll ask him something. And yeah, we just all saw that, you know, warm-ups were moving slower, general sort of like fatigue was creeping up and the the anger that we could provoke for, for a set or for a session, it was just not really there. Because um, those guys, it's kind of moderately good having a natty in the mix for those sessions because like Cuba could keep going all the time because something like pumps for him is fine because of the, the drugs that he uses to enhance pumps. Um, you just get crazy pumps anyway. So he said to me like, I'll just ask you how your pumps are. And then that will tell me that I need to deload. <laughs> um, because yeah, my, my pumps were, to be honest, my pumps haven't been, I don't know what other people's opinions are on, on this, but my pumps haven't been that good, like, since I've been this weight. Like, they haven't been that good. Like, they're never, like, the ones that you get when you're dieted down and 
you have like a high carb day and the pump the day after when you're like really full it's just like fucking ridiculous like almost painful pumps i've not had like painful pumps in an off season really because i feel i feel like the insulin sensitivity is of course much lower um and that reactiveness to to glycogen is just so much different so i don't think people should necessarily worry like if someone listens to this and thinks oh, i'm not getting a pump then like, oh, i need a deload it's not necessarily that it's just like that's one factor of multiple factors that play into when you need the deload. Like George has obviously mentioned the, the interruptions to sleep. Um, you mentioned the motivation to training. You mentioned the, uh, the strength loss, so like regressions. Um, I was talking, talking to Danny, like I was almost making a joke of it. Like my favorite, my favorite is when you like, you need a deload so bad and you're like you're trying to retain everything so badly and eat like i love it when you you regress in your, your numbers so you go backwards in numbers and your form is worse <laughs> that's that's when you really know that you've like fucked yourself into a hole um yesterday yeah, yeah. <laughs> form was awful i was just moving away i was like yeah just try and get seven <laughs> yeah For, forms worse numbers yeah. are worse too um and you leave the session thinking fucking hell like, what what am I even doing? Um, and it's nice to call almost like, you know, for you, it'd be good next time to try and nip that in the bud before you have a session like that. Cause it's kind of, it's kind of nicer to end a phase of training on a good note rather than a shit one. Cause you know, leaving that session, you must've felt, you know, frustrated, annoyed. Um, and I, you know, I prefer leaving, leaving at the end of a deload, like at least on retained numbers. So yesterday's session with Paul, it was, I retained my top cell on deadlifts, but it felt much harder and it moved slower. And the back off I retained as well. And it moved actually pretty similar to, to last week. I always find the top sets, the heavy loading sets are the ones that, they're the ones that will regress because you just can't, you can't fire it up. Like I was talking about before I went on this tangent, you can't, you can't get that anger or that emotion and pile it into your session because you're already quite like neurologically drained and tired and your emotions just aren't in a, in a place of like readiness. Um, and I love, I love that feeling when I'm like really fucking confident and I can attack a weight because for some of those top sets, if you don't attack it, you're not going to progress and you might, might not even retain your numbers if you don't attack it well enough. So, uh, so yeah. Um, but the, the week itself was, wasn't bad. You know, I still took some progressions on things, um, and some retention, some isolation things progressed and things like that. Um, other signs that I need a deload is I'm like started to get a bit sick, which is annoying, like not proper sick, but my throat and my chest seems to be like congested. I'm not sure why, but I've had three other clients check in like, over the past four days and there must be something going around because they've all said my throat's fucked. Um, they haven't got colds really or anything like that. They've just said like throat and chest is fucked. Um, and it's just really annoying. Like halfway through the day after like speaking for a while on check-ins, my throat's in agony and I'm like, brilliant. Like this is annoying. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that that will fix itself and everything else is all right though. I'm not injured. I'm not crippled. Cuba's hurt his pec. So uh, he's resting that up as well because um, he doesn't want to do fluffy shit like flies and shit. every session he'll get so pissed off. Um, and 
And yeah, I think th- other than that, like appetite wise as well, that's the thing to note. Um, weirdly, I'm experiencing decent appetite again. Like not not great, but but decent. Like much better than it was before Christmas. I think that's because life stresses are just a little lower. Um, just life stresses over Christmas with like the travel and thinking about presents and all of this fucking stuff just stressed me out more than it should. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, I, uh, I think the appetite's coming back a little bit better and I start prep in a month's time, pretty much. Yeah. A month's time. Yeah. Just, just, just over a month. So that's the plan at least for now. Um, but I might end up, I may end up starting a little later. Depends, depends. I'm really in two minds because I don't want to do a George and prep for too long. Um, cause you know, I don't, I don't really know how much I've got to lose. You know, arguably I think I'm in very similar or maybe even a bit better composition than I was when I started my 2017 contest prep. I think arguably maybe a little bit better in some areas. Um, but I'm allowing a similar amount of time, which for the first show, I wasn't quite ready for the first show in 2017. But how are you going to approach this year as well? Or do you want to be ready from show one? I need to be ready for show one, really, because I'm only I'm only doing two. I'm only doing the UK. Well, ideally, I'd love to do three, which would be UK FBA qualifier, UK FBA finals and, and, and the WMBF Worlds. Mm. That'd be the, the, the dream, of course um that's the goal but um the reason why i'm not doing any more than that is because i've noticed something right so this is the trend that i've seen and this is nothing against the other federations like well the main other federation is obviously the bmbf now i love the bmbf i put athletes into the bmbf not got anything against the bmbf but the thing that i've noticed is that every single person who wins a title like a a UK title, it is, I don't think anyone in the last three years that I've known the sport has ever won both of them. And I don't want to, I'm not like, I hate to sound cocky, but sound like fucking Conor McGregor, but I don't want to lose shit. I don't want to lose anything. I want to win everything that I do. Um, And I know if I do both, I'm not going to win everything. I didn't in 2017, you know, and that's because I got beaten by a better person. It's not because of any sort of judgmental thing or anything like that. The reason why I don't think anyone wins both is not because of politics or anything like that before anyone skips to that conclusion. It's because people don't bring their best to one or the other. So they bring their best to something and they might win the BMBF. So for example, like Solomon, um, who won the BMBF, turned DFAT pro, then came to the UKDFBA, looked a little tired, a little more tired, a little more sort of not his best and got beaten by Ben. And and it was very close, you know, arguably maybe Sol a little bit better could have beaten Ben. Um, and I don't want to be in that position because my ultimate goal is winning a WMBF Pro card. At the moment, my goal doesn't, isn't to win a DFAT Pro card. And I don't think I'm at that, I'm nowhere near that level yet anyway, because the process of getting a DFAT Pro card is ultimately harder than getting a WNBF pro card because of the way that it works. You have to win the overall British title in the UK to get that card, or you have to go to Worlds and I believe I believe you potentially either win your class or you have to play somewhere in the overall to get it. 
So it is a slightly more difficult process comparative somewhat to the, the WMBF in some ways. And that's not me taking the easy route. It's more so we want, I want to compete eventually with the WMBF in the pro class in my weight class. And I know that that's a very competitive environment to compete. I know that if I, if I got that card, I could compete year on year in that show with the goal of placing higher and higher and higher until I eventually try to win it. Like Ben Howard's done, like Brian Whitaker's done, like that's my goal. You know, those are the people that I look up to. So that's what I would like to chase. Um, so I hope that gives people like rationale because I'm aware that there's a, there's a decent amount of people following me and I'm aware that people might look at that and think, well, why is he not doing that? And ask the question or consider where they should compete. If you're watching this and you haven't got that set goal like I have, so for the first three years of my, 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 my competing, I competed in all the federations because I didn't have that sort of set goal. I was trying to like win a junior title, win, win a team title, and it didn't really matter what federations I really did at that point. I was getting experience. So if you're a competitor, I still do highly recommend you do both. And I will be putting clients into both as well, just like we did with yourself, yeah. you know, and then as a client, you know, you, not that you're competing Natty again, but you naughty fuck. Um, but if, uh, if you were to compete again, you could then make your own decision as to where you compete. So you could say, oh, AJ, no, I, I preferred this or I preferred that. And that's your choice, you know, and that's the same with Grace, you know, Grace did both. Um, did she win both? No, you know. Um, but then she could choose now where she goes next and what her goals are, and she has, you know, um, and that's fine. Uh, so yeah, hopefully that sort of explains things. Um, because I don't want to sound like I'm some sort of like like a hierarchy of competitor that it matters more what I'm choosing, but I am aware that I've got a big a big following that are natural and that want to choose where they compete. And I don't want to seem like I'm pushing someone in one direction or anything like that. I'm not because yeah. I'm supportive of the sport in general. So, uh, Essentially you've, you've surpassed that stage of finding what federation is best for you. And now you've found what route you want to go down hmm. and you're going to go down that route. So yeah. that's very understandable. And of course it's just trying to tell people that, when they don't know, for example, you have competed in both federations, they're just going, oh, why are you not competing in BNBF or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, a few people have already messaged me that are sort of like quite closely linked to the, the BNBF and are my friends as well. Um, I think I put on my story that my first show would be in September and like some of them worked out that to, for my first show to be in September, I wouldn't be doing the BNBF because if I was going to do it, my show would have to be in August, have to be the Midlands. Um, so they were like, oh, why aren't you doing it? And I said that exact explanation. They were all like, oh, it's, you know, I totally understand that point of view. Um, so, so yeah, it is what it is. And it's not to say that I won't do the federation in the future, because let's say, you know, I, I get to a point where I almost want to experience what it's like to be an amateur again and want to chase down, you know, another professional status like Ben Lloyd, for example, you know, if I wanted to do that, then, that could be an option in the future. But realistically, I think once I'd achieved the WMBF status, I think I'd stay there for, for the rest of my career until I'm like an old, frail, little, little fuck with a tiny little penis from all the competing and low testosterone and 
then I'll go on to TRT and try, you know, other drugs and <laughs> fuck knows what I'm there talking you go, about. That. <laughs> I'm like Dorian Yates living in Bali and uh, you know, live under a tree. So obviously you're you're planning to do the lightweights, um, of course. Mm. But say for example the qualifiers, you're down to what's one fifty four, isn't it? The cut off for lightweights? It's seventy kilos, yeah. So it's 154.6. Yeah. So, for example, if you was like, for example, let's say 155. Yeah. Would you go for the middleweights and then go for the finals towards the lightweights, um, get down, or would because obviously with the with the middleweights, especially looking this year at the standard of the the middleweights, like for example, Dan Park, like incredibly high. Yeah. So, what are you aiming for? Are you going to dig down for the lightweights to begin with? Or are you going to say, you know what, if I fall into the middleweights, I'm not really too bothered. As long as I qualify for the finals, I want to get down to, to, to the lightweights. Yeah. So I think in the scenario where I'm ready at like 156, so two pounds above, mm. I'd quite happily do the qualifier as a middleweight and accept that I can lose two more pounds by the finals and not do anything stupid for the qualifier just to get under 154. Then let's say we come to the finals. <coughs> Excuse me, I just have some uh, diet coke. Um, let's say I get to the finals and I am still struggling to get to one five four. That's when I implement some sort of like John Meadows tactic to get under because I'm not realistically gonna win the middleweights at one five six unless for some reason I get all the body fat off me and I do look crazy improved somehow you know like crazy improved on last time which to be honest if you put the numbers together like i know that i don't look crazy impressive right now there's some poses that look good because of where i still body fat like the rear lat spread looks all right it looks like it could do all right in a middleweight lineup but all the other poses are just way off where they need to be but i don't i know that until i'm i've got everything off and i see what actual muscle i have right so let's say I think I could be competitive in the middles, then I'll just, I'll just stay as a middle and see if I can get top three. I think top, top five would be realistic if I'm, if I'm doing the middleweights. That would be a realistic goal. And then at least, let's say I did get top five, then I'd be like, okay, well, I know I'm a middleweight now, another two-year off-season, and come back and try and win it. Um, because arguably with my height and the rate of gain that I can already know that I can achieve in a two-year off-season, which is potentially we're looking at anywhere between a very minimum of four pounds and a maximum of eight to 10 pounds of new muscle. If I did another two-year off-season and gained another eight pounds of new muscle or four, four to eight pounds of new muscle, then I'm, I'm already, I'm not going to get to one, five, four ever again, really, am I? Mm. You know, considering that, I looked kind of my best as a junior when I was like 149, 150, as opposed to 147, 146. So it's a kind of a hard predicament to be in because I don't want to, you know, do stupid shit to get down, like take 20 grams of magnesium citrate and be on the toilet all night before the finals. You know, it's not really something I want to do or put Danny through, you know, like that's just going to be horrendous. And will equal me looking flat and a little shit. Um, arguably, uh, I mean, it's annoying in one way that they've made the finals a two-day event. 
because that suggests that I did have to make one day uh, 154. Let's say that the lightweights were on really late in the evening. Then I could at least have the whole day to like eat up and get fluid back in after weighing in, in the morning. So at least I'd have a little bit of time. But now that it's a two day event, it means that we're going to be on not that late at all, really. Um, relatively early in the morning after the weigh-ins, so yeah, we'll just we'll just see, we'll just see. Um, in my head, though, George, I am aiming to get under seventy kilos, um, uh, but I think the photos will be so key because I can I could get to under seventy kilos. Like, I, I, trust me, I can get under seventy kilos. I could walk for days, do protein modified fast, whatever I need to do to get under 70 kilos, I do it. Absolutely. 100%. But at the cost of muscle, that's the balance that we've got to have. Like I'm not, bodybuilding is not just competitive dieting. It's, it's like, it's a, it's a balance between getting ultimate condition whilst retaining as much muscle as possible. So it's, it's like a, that's the game we're playing. It's not a game of how light can you get? Um, because the game of how light could you get would be pretty fucking easy because you just just expend loads of calories and eat nothing and that's not what bodybuilding is you know it's who can retain as much muscle and that's in the gym it's outside of the gym it's rate of loss it's diet breaks it's all of these things that is what makes bodybuilding such like a challenging puzzle to to play you know it's, it's uh that's what i like about it to be honest is the difficulty of it it was similar to me uh, last year. I was, you know, I was obsessed of getting lighter and lighter. And I got down to 145. I yeah. think my nose was like 144.5. And I looked my worst then. I looked my best when I was about 148, 149. Mm -hmm. uh, and until I look back now and think, oh, like, when I was 148, 149 pounds, which I was, you know, about eight weeks out, I was like, damn, I look really really good there towards the end of the prep when i was 145 144 and my final show I was 145 pounds yeah. on that particular day I, that was probably my worst showing of the whole entire year you know and i was just chasing that scale weight chasing to get leaner and at the end of the day i, I didn't need to get leaner i what i needed to be bigger on stage so i needed to come in more fuller not leaner at all yeah so, yeah it's just it's just when you're in that prep mode it's just fat loss fat loss fat loss fat loss but when you look back in like I am now, I'm thinking, no, that's not the way forward. When you're ready, relax. Don't need to lose any more weight. Just cruise in with what you've, what you've got um, and just bring your best package, which unfortunately I didn't, I didn't bring, yeah. which was annoying. But, you know, you live and you learn. I know next time around when I prep, I'm not going to be obsessed over getting leaner and leaner and leaner. Once you're ready, that's it. Job done. Yeah, because the thing is when you like – condition or scale weight is nothing without fullness as, as soon as you lose fullness you lose condition because without glycogen without the full muscle bellies you're not displaying your true condition because the scale weight might say you're two pounds lighter but if you're just two pounds flatter you'll look worse you'll look way worse so um yeah, you've got to remind yourself that, you know, getting on stage full and conditioned is the goal, not getting on stage flat, depleted, run down, which, you know, arguably with the way that we sometimes run our, run our peak weeks, 
we on the earlier shows that you did, we should have had you resting so much more than we did. Um, you yeah. know, and that was a balancing act of me trying to do something that kept you stress free, you know, because we know how much stress plays a role. And if I was to say, George, do nothing, immediate the immediate stress response from you would be catastrophic, you know? Um, and that's something that next time when I say do nothing, you'd be like, ah, oh, great. That's good. Yeah. As opposed to fucking hell, I'm going to lie about my steps or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and nip to pure gym or something and not put it on my story, you know? Um, you know, but that's, that's why you, in my opinion, it is really good to try and do like multiple preps with the same coach because, once you've done one prep with someone, you definitely learn them a lot more. So the next prep is just so much better. Um, and it frustrates me almost when people are not 100% happy with the end result and another coach might try and like snitch them away and say like, oh, but, you know, do it my way or do it this way without knowing the full story. And, you know, if, I, if, if they'd stayed with the same coach, that same coach had known the full story, the next prep would have been massively better anyway, just as a result of not making the same mistakes that probably everyone makes at some point, you know, um, be, be that either the, the coach's mistakes or the client feedback mistakes or whatever. Um, yeah, and that's something that I'm always looking to try and improve is getting to know people as much as possible. And if maybe... I don't know. I thought that I knew you pretty well, but I could have known you maybe even better um, before before the prep. But you know, and I learned about I learned a lot about myself as well that I didn't know. Yeah, especially I I, I've turned into this bloody robot that would do more than what my coach would prescribe me, sort of thing. I I, I didn't normally. I, if someone tells me to do something, you know, I do it straight away. Mm. But then it got to a point of where I just fucked myself over my head and just going, you know, I'm ignore AJ. I'm just going to keep going and keep doing this. Unfortunately, you know, it just bites you on the ass. Yeah, but- gotta be gotta be really careful of, with that when the drugs come into play, mate. Because, you know, whenever someone says this, you have to do that. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you'll run into so many fucking issues with side effects if you, oh fuck it, I'll take double that or take double <laughs> this. Or, um, so yeah, we can't run into that issue. What are you looking forward to uh, most this prep? Because I'm, I, I think. For, for me, I'm looking forward to. I think you're going to be prepping the same time as Cuba, aren't you? So, uh, pretty much, yeah, pretty much. They're going to be like sessions together and stuff like that. I don't know why that that just makes me quite excited. Just thinking about both being on prep, you can, you know, your head's both going to be on. Uh, yeah, so so much more. It, it, don't get me wrong, it is when when in your off season it is, but yeah. when you know you're prepping and when you've got like a timeline, everything just you become more of a robot, more efficient. So, uh, sure. I think, sure, I'm looking forward to seeing that, both you prep, both of you pushing, pushing each other, if you are going to train with each other, of course. Yeah, I think... Similar sort of setups, or will you be going sort of your own setup and he'll do his own thing? I think we will. I think we'll train similar because our, our exercise selection is pretty similar. There just may be some things volume-wise that are different. The main sessions that are really different for us, um, so I can, without sounding cocky or anything, I can hang on pretty much every single movement besides deadlifts on pull days. So we don't change the load on the bar or the machine for anything on pull. It's the same. And we do similar reps or I beat Cuba on something and he gets really fucking annoyed. Um, 
So Paul is fine. Paul is easy to train together. Push, completely different story. Yeah. Huber and Jimmy just absolutely smashed me. Lots of plates would come off machines. Lots of different dumbbells used. So we probably won't end up training push really that frequently together. It would be different sessions for that. Uh, and the volume that I do for push is, again, quite drastically different. Um, legs, Cuba and Jimmy are a lot stronger than me on some things, but on some things we're, we're fairly close um, on some of the isolation pieces, like just extensions, really. Curls are a lot stronger. So the sessions on legs are, are fairly easy to do together if we do train them together. And uh, so I imagine legs and pull will probably hook up. And if we're on similar setups, um, I'm thinking I'll still run the current one that I've got, the two on, one off, one on, one off. Uh, for definitely probably the start of prep whilst I'm still whilst I'm still pretty strong um, because it's just allowing me so much less stress about work um, you know more more time to recover more performance retained or more performance gained so I think for me and a lot of people is just a, a really really solid setup to retain strength or, or really push to maximal strength so I'm, I'm really liking that at the moment I think I can get a good I can probably get a good eight to 10 week run and you'll probably notice the same maybe an eight to 10 week run of that but just because of the extra rest whereas if i was to do three on one off three on one off i think i'd max like five six weeks and then i'd have to deload um and have to be really cautious with exercise selection as well so um yeah i'm looking definitely looking forward to that i'm not looking forward to the fact that cuba's probably gonna get stronger his whole prep and i'm just getting weaker at some point because yeah he was telling me yesterday how the manipulation of of different things at the end of prep supplement wise uh, allows him to just basically just keep gaining strength um, to a degree. You know, he says that obviously on some things like presses will go down just because of stability and lack of body weight. But, you know, like some, some pulls and le like leg movements even feel better just because he can move better and um, have everything there hormonally to, to keep, gaining strength which is i'm very i'm very jealous of that to be honest yeah. because i hate losing strength um especially when we work so fucking hard to build it man and we look like yeah we work so hard to build it and he he asked me yesterday he was like you know what what do you think you'll lose on like your deadlift for example and i said be sort of lucky to have my back off as my top set by the end you know like I'd be, I'd, I'd, I'd be lucky to have 180 there for a set of eight by the end of prep, you know, as a top set. That's shit. That's wank. Yeah, it's so shit. But arguably, I'm going to be 40 pounds lighter. So if you looked at like pound for pound strength, it might be the same or whatever. But that's just bullshit, you know. As soon as you're not pulling 220 off the floor, you're not pulling 220. I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, I don't care about pound for pound anymore. I just care <laughs> about whether it moves or not. Yeah. Um, I agree. But, uh, and yeah, you know, the other thing is like, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to being, being lean and seeing the changes, but I've, I've learned that like having taken a two year period of time off, I wouldn't mind doing another year like this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. Cause I'm so settled now into the way I look, the way I feel, um, the way I train where I am with business and work, like, and supporting clients at shows and all of this stuff, like it doesn't make, it makes me confident that if I ever had to take some elongated time away from competing, 
for some reason that I could handle it as long as I had training because I just I love I love training I, I really like training I really like you know log booking my lifts and progressing them and yeah. that's that's so cool but at the end of the day I know that for me I, I do want to get on stage I do want to show off what I've what I've earned and at the same time I also know how much of a difference it will make on socials because mate already already just the fact that people know that I'm prepping is sending my engagement up you know like my views on videos and my views on uh, my likes on posts is just going up because of that I also think training with Cuba and Jimmy helps a bit <laughs> um because it makes the videos a little bit better to watch when you've got people screaming at you as opposed to just a quiet gym in the past which i've had so yeah um yeah looking forward to it. And some good things to come as well like i'm going to be working with uh the magic Eye media so jay i'm going to be working with him a little bit because he's he's down here quite often filming cuba so we just had a chat the other week about like what we could do for for my site or just video creation. So some will go on YouTube, some will go on my site, but we're probably going to look to work together every couple of weeks to put out a video. Um, so that's, that's going to be really cool. And probably Cuba will be in some of them. I might be in some of Cuba's. We might do some stuff together. Right. So, so, so things like that will be, um, will be really, really cool. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, should be a good year. Yeah. I agree. I'm looking forward to following either way. Um, and I've noticed the engagement on your old social media is uh, it's going up, the likes and stuff like that. That was good when I was on prep. It is nice to see, like, look at a photo and, like, you know, half an hour, it's got, like, a thousand likes. And you're like, yes. <laughs> now, when I'm a fat shit, like, it's 300 likes. I think. Yeah, I know. It's so annoying, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's always the case, but it is what it is. It, yeah. No, I find it, find it does help when you sort of, like, hide away for a bit on socials with the physique updates and then you post one again like off season update like that gets more engagement if you've just like you've even if you look the fucking same like mate, if you look through my off season updates half of them look the fucking same <laughs> like but but they, they people like them because they're like oh my god you're back I'm like <laughs> yeah it's probably a bit of a better photo than last week or something like that so uh yeah yeah should we uh should we head up some questions from the um from the listeners, yeah, of course. Um, did, you, did you see Cuba shit himself yesterday? Yeah, I did. I watched the uh, upload as well. It was great. His, um, so on his top set, on his top set, <laughs> he dropped the bar and he said, "So can you see my balls?" <laughs> I was like, and I was like, "No," because I was I was watching the deadlift. I wasn't looking at his fucking cock. So and then I played the video back, and if you zoom in on this top set, like his his left bollock is like hanging out of his fucking rider shorts, and Jimmy Jimmy after the top set was like pissing himself. <laughs> Apparently, like like from the back, you could see you could see everything. He wears these like tiny tiny shorts. I'm yeah. pretty confident he doesn't wear boxes with them either. <laughs> it's so fucking risky. Like obviously, he shat himself on the back. Yeah. I watched that little waddle we did when he walked off after he's done. He did that the whole way across the gym, all the way to the toilets, and then he <laughs> cleaned his ass, put on a new pair of shorts, and came back in. Quality. Oh god, it's brilliant, mate. Um, <laughs> favorite pick a mix item from bananas. Phone bananas. Yeah, to be fair, I would actually agree with you. The bananas actually the best one. My mission was to buy me the bananas and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'd actually, I'm not even joking. I'm actually agreeing with that. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's I don't, I don't mind the mice. The um, the chocolate mice are all right as well. Um, the you know the red and the the red and the white mice, they're pretty good. But I, I have to be in a chocolate mood for that. Mm. Mm. But it's usually the foam bananas. Yeah, the foam bananas or the the teeth. Same yeah, one. teeth are all right. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind the little eggs, little fried egg. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> A nibble just a little uh the nibble the egg. <laughs> yeah, nibble the egg. No, that's good. Last. <laughs> I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um I've actually got a few free I've got quite a few actually. I'm quite surprised. Because normally the shit questions like does pro will protein help with recovery or some shit like that? I normally get. Um will classic ever overtake opens bodybuilding? Do you like classic physique? Um I do like classic physique because I like Chris Bumstead's physique. Um, I think he's got a really, really cracking physique. I think he looked amazing when he was, have you seen the photos of when he was like a junior? Yeah. He could be in bodybuilding. Yeah. He looked mim. Yeah. So good. So, um, and I really like his personality as well. I think he's a, just a nice down to earth guy. Um, and he's been through like fuck loads of health issues, haven't he? Hasn't he as well? Um, so yeah, I do like classic physique. I, I think some people in the class don't really represent what I view as classic physique. They're just smaller bodybuilders really. Um, and you know, potentially they're just riding on the fact that it's a smaller division to be able to get to where they want to be or get a pro card or whatever. Um, but I do like it. Do, do I think it could ever take open? Is that the question? Yeah. Overtake open. Uh, no. So no, because what are people paying for really at the top of the sport? They're they're paying to see, or they're they're backing this idea of just a fucking freak. And classic physique isn't designed to be freaks, you know. So um, so yeah, that's my uh, that's my that's my answer. Is yours the same? Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. I person I don't I like I like classic, but I prefer open bodybuilding. I like the mass monsters. Um. I the reason why I like the mass is because I'm not I kind of always visualize myself like do I look at my physique and do I think of am I a classic bodybuilder no no not that I'm a mass mass, mass monster anyway but um, I just prefer that look somehow uh, have you got one at all uh, thoughts on push pull legs arms as a split if arms are lagging Okay, yeah. So thoughts. I'll just go again as I've got one here. Thoughts on push pull legs arms as a split if arms are lagging. Push pull legs arms. Yeah, I think you're just wasting a day really there with arms. Agreed. Like, just if your arms are lagging, just do maybe just tag them on uh, your your other days. So there's no harm in tagging some like metabolic high rep shit at the end of a. So metabolic triceps at the end of pull, metabolic biceps at the end of push, and then both at the end of legs. So you're hitting them, you can hit them like every day besides a rest day. And that works. I I think my arms grew a decent amount from doing that. But the main thing with arms, why your arms are lacking is not, in my opinion, because of frequency, it's because of the way you train them. Like I've never trained arms properly. I can admit I've never trained arms properly for pretty much the majority of my training career. Like, so this is the thing I've noticed in people that train arms and have big arms. There's one thing that's pretty common. 
apart from the genetic outliers like Doug Miller, there is, they don't use much weight. They use decent weight, but not much and not as much as a lot of people's shit arms. And they're really, so on a curl, like even notice, like if you ever watch Keefe curl, yeah. like when he curls, he doesn't just like go like this, mm-hmm. he goes up and he contracts the shit out of his bicep and then he goes down. So every rep, he's, he's actually contracting. And I, when I train my biceps on a preach curl or dumbbell curls, it's always at the end of the session. I just, I just used to just like, you know, just, just, just do some reps and log it, log it down that I beat last week's numbers. And that was it. But now I don't log it as much. I do try and still beat what I did last time to a degree, but I am, I am really trying to contract hard and like force contractions in my arms. And trust me, the soreness after doing that is ridiculous. The difference is huge. So it's the same with triceps. Like on a push down, I'll contract and I'll like, I'll hold it there for a good one count. The issue is, I think, because people have done this naturally over time, they just get really used to holding contractions and like actually contracting the tissue. So that when they do like reps like this, they're still contracting because they've just learned how to use those muscle fibers so efficiently. Um, it's the same why I think my back's a strong part is because I've always had crazy connections with my back. Like I can get a, a lower lap pump with just doing body weight, dragging my elbow to my hip. Yeah, I, I can just connect with my lats really, really well. I always have done. Um, and I can separate, like I can, you know, drive my elbow a bit higher and I'll be like, okay, that's upper back. Or I can do like a, you know, a low row and my elbow can finish in the wrong place and I'll be like, that's not lats, that's mid back. I can tell the difference in everything. Um, so I'd really, for, for this person, just strip it all back and refocus on your execution. Um, it's what I've done with uh, Josh Bailey because his arms are so bad. His yeah. arms are so bad and I've really just, I've, I've said to him, mate, like, you've got to do something different here. There's something wrong with what we're doing because every other body part grows well but the arms just don't seem to change so um, yeah. sorry josh if you're listening mate <laughs> <laughs> i i find what i've done differently this this time around is i haven't actually implemented like a a free weight bicep exercise i've done with triceps but i haven't done a free i, I normally do d handles or rope like you see me do the dual rope um i normally stick to those type of, and my arms have responded way better um, than doing any free weight movement before. Yeah. Um, and I've been actually, ch- instead of focusing on the load, which is again, over- important over time, but I don't care if I drop a couple of reps, but my arms are fucking pumped to shit. I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. Um, I also see typically as well that people who typically have shitter backs have better biceps because when they come to rowing, it's all biceps. Yeah, uh, and why their biceps are over, way overdeveloped and their back is shit. And I'd say that about myself. I think my biceps are better than, well, hundred percent better than what my back is because I, I use a lot of bicep whilst I row. Yeah. Um, so I think doing a mixture of both, obviously, with your compounds, if you can get stronger over time with those, like pull-ups, your you know your rowing movements, your pull-downs, of course, doing heavier type of stuff of that, and also with the isolation, just focus on you know getting the pump, getting the pump. Mm-hmm. In your pull sessions, if you are you know overloading on these pull-downs and these rows you're already going to pre-fatigue your arms so there's pointless half the time trying to chase 
log book numbers on your arm sessions when they're already fucked from progressing the compound movements. Yeah, yeah. So have a balance between the two. But I would find, if you find that free weights, like for example, Keefe, he doesn't do any D-handle bicep curls much. Right. He does, you know, free weights, easy bar, dumbbell curls um, with hammer, whatever styles it may be. That works very well for him. But myself at the moment, I'm going for a phase of actually de-handling everything using more of a cable stack, connecting way better there. And my arms seem to be, so obviously since prep till now, my arms look better. Than yeah. what bigger, I should say, not better. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, I find out what works best and uh, stick to it, be consistent with it. And when things don't connect, then that's when you start changing things. Um, but I think too many people chop and change between the two and they never build up consistency. Same with like plan, training plans. They always want to change something in seven or eight weeks or, or whatever. And they never build up that consistency to actually know whether there's going to be a change or not. So ride something out for as long as you can until you notice that it's not progressing anymore. Then implement something else when it's when you need to change. For sure. That's um, so I've already got a question, but T, T, TG Fitness asks, no question, but it looks like you guys are getting your knobs tickled. That was the image that I put up. Oh yeah, press. that that was on our. Uh, was that on the pendulum leg press at Flex? Oh uh, yeah, it was at Flex and Tone. Hannah took it. I, I I knew she had one of you like that, and um, I scrolled back on our WhatsApp conversations, me and Hannah, and I found it. And I was like, I'm gonna put that as a collage. <laughs> I think I've still got. I think I've still got that picture, but it's got the um, it's got a speech bubble or the thinking um, cloud, and it's saying too lean or something like that in it. <laughs> <laughs> I got my iPhone to say too lean. Uh, it was right. Was, um, yeah, that was that was probably one of the brute, most brutal sets I've ever done on that. Um, that session in general was, was so probably, horrible. Probably one of my favourite sessions of ever. Yeah, been yeah. We'll have to go back at some point. I haven't been there in ages. I do love that gym. I do love it. Um, Fucking dumb, though, isn't it? We thought we were going to get kidnapped the outside where we got dropped off outside on that industrial estate. Yeah. I thought I was going to get kidnapped. Shit it's like someone shot like the smash glass it's like someone's bloody shot through it or something like that it's like some ghetto run yeah that's so good <laughs> uh, yeah. um m speak fitness asks when will there be another training video of you both together hopefully at hopefully the of um february yeah i'll try and get someone down to film us at that point yeah. um Either that, or you can film it for your vid- for your YouTube or something like that. Um, either which way, we'll get some footage. So that'd be good. Um, oh, would you track macros if the goal <coughs> was to compete? What's that? Track macros if you weren't going to compete? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, how serious are, you, are your goals outside of competing? Like, I've got plenty of clients that are not going to compete, but are still going to track macros. Yeah. So um, just depends how how badly you want to achieve your, your current goals. Um, but I would, I would most likely be, be tracking macros if I wasn't competing. So if you're asking what my opinion is, I would say yes. But if it stresses you out or you don't enjoy it, then uh, maybe not. Yeah, definitely. I'm exact same on that. Um, how do you work out intake for your clients? Um, it sounds really sort of basic, but I take what they've currently consumed and hazard a guess as to where we need to be to go next. Like it's not hard after years of doing this, 
you know that there's no special equation to work out where calories need to be. And there's what you've got to realize as well is with weekly check-ins, there's no urgency to get calories perfect. So unless you really fuck it up and you put someone on calories, that just doesn't make sense. You'll probably have them come back to you and say, why the hell am I on these calories? And it, you shouldn't do something that just doesn't make sense. So if you're a well-educated coach, you'll know that from their initial setup of nutrition, whether it's them giving you a food diary or whether it's them giving you your app, like a lot of people that inquire with me now, just give me their current macros because they're already tracking. They already know how many calories are consumed. So to go where we need to go next, whether it's a mini cut, whether it's a gaining phase, I will literally know where I need to put them just because I've done it so many times. And then, um, and then we'll just take the data across seven days when they check in, I'll be like, oh, okay, wait, it's good. So for example, I had a, a new client who set up with me and we, I didn't really know how many steps he was doing as a PT. He said it was like normally around 10 K and it ended up being 15 to 20 K. So the gaining calories that I put him on saw him lose like three pounds in the first week. So I was like, okay, they were too low. And he didn't come at me saying, I've lost three pounds. I'm ditching you as a coach. He came at me saying, I've lost three pounds, but I feel leaner and fuller, like, because he got back into consistency with good eating. So he lost some water weight from all the shit food he'd been eating, and we underestimated his expenditure a little bit. Not a problem. Increase food, see how he responds to that increased food, maybe get a bit of a midweek update from him just to see where his weight's going. If it's going the right direction, perfect. If it's not, give him a little bit more. It's not, it's not rocket science, you know? So see people like sitting there with, books and bloody calculations all of these things like you're just trying to work out a relatively basic thing called energy balance and you get better at it as time goes on yeah sure i'm very similar i to answer your question exactly i will get them to they'll obviously inquire i'll get them to start tracking the foods if they're not tracking if they are tracking um of course i normally start off with what they are currently doing if they are tracking collect data across the week. Okay. What's your body weight doing? Is it going up? Is it going down? Depending on the goal. How are you feeling? How's performance? All that type of stuff. Typically what I see with clients that don't track the overeating on their carbs and fats and having like 90 grams of protein a day and looking to build muscle, not going to happen. So then it comes to a point if, if the consist, if the food intake is inconsistent throughout the whole week, then I will just prescribe them some macros for what I think is right. And then within the first week I will, like I said before, track data, see what it looks like, see what's happening. And if I need to pull it down, I will pull it down. If I need to go up, I will go up and then we'll work from there. Um, but for Khan, that's just, you know, eating whatever they want. Every single so one day, they'll eat 1,100 calories. Next day, they'll have 2,200 calories. I'll just say, look, I'm just going to set you some baseline macros. This is what we're going to do. And then this is how I'm going to assess it from uh, week, one, week one going into week two, whatever it may be. Simple as that. No calculators or anything like that because they are a load of bollocks. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, that's simple, straightforward, and how how I'd like to do it. Um, how it needs to be. Yep. What's the best moment of your life so far? Jesus, who is that from, Brooke? Cool. What's the best moment of your life so far, AJ? Ah, fucking difficult, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, there's so many. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, 
the soppy one is probably meeting Danny. Like that's probably one of the best things. Um, so that's relationship wise, um, personal wise, probably winning my world title. is probably one of the best things because it's just, that took so long to do and was a goal for so long that when it has, when it happened, it was like fucking euphoric. Um, and then business wise, it's probably like 2019 and like taking so many people to success, basically it's the most fucking stressful year of my life, <laughs> but very, very, very fucking rewarding. So, uh, yeah, those are three, but I can't say one really because it's unfair on the other ones that are like different. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'd agree with that. I think, me relationship wise obviously meeting the missus because we used to she used to come actually see me at uni and we got together when i finished uni which was quite i, I met her in my second year actually i know i know her from school but i didn't know her from school we went to the same school together we actually spoke at uni um she come see me at uni and we actually got together when i finished uni which was good um i didn't expect that um personal probably graduating from uni i think a lot of my friends and families things like that they doubted me um i've never as you can probably tell i've never been the brightest child ever um <laughs> once i'm committed to something i will go all the way through with it and uh it was like the first person to graduate in my family which was quite nice um and i think business wise is just being able to graduate from uni and go into coaching full time um i think that was one of my biggest things and now i'm up to a point of where pretty like wow like pretty full and I don't really want to take on anyone else right now which is quite a surprise like I'm in a position where I'm, I'm content I'm happy like I love doing what I do every single day and um, I didn't think that would happen as quickly as what it has um, but I've been consistent I've been through phases of you know little less income but you know I enjoy what I do I love waking up every single day as I mentioned in one of my questions on Instagram the other day I love doing what I do I couldn't imagine waking up and dreading the day like yeah. I love being, being able to be at home now working from my laptop being doing stuff like this managing my own time managing my you know my workload instead of working for someone else's success which i've never ever wanted to do i'd hate think about putting money in that someone else's pocket other than mine sort of thing yeah agreed 100 so, cool yeah. question though yeah Good question it really it really sort of um woke us up that one yeah makes you appreciate things a little bit more i think that question because yeah. <laughs> we always take things for granted most of the time we do Let's take another question. Uh, What's the smallest amount of weight you would load increase when micro-loading lifts? So like, what's the smallest amount of weight you would go up? 1.25. Yeah, I kind of agree. There's sometimes movement... Fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) Drop my phone on the keyboard. Um, Sometimes... (laughs) there's sometimes movements where it may be favorable to add a little less so if you could add let's say to like an ohp you might want to add a zero point a zero point five or a zero point seven five fractional plate i've got those because during my 2017 prep i fractionally loaded a squat because it was just the most, I <laughs> know, it's so stupid. But it's just the most rewarding thing to like have some element of progression. So I'd get like one week I'd get 165 for 12. And then the next week I'd get 166 for 12. And like 
okay, cool. I've only accumul- accumulated 12 kilos more volume, but it is something more, you know? Um, but I- I'd say I'd very much agree. It's like 1.25. And there's some things, there's some things where you probably don't even want to load with the 1.25. Um, leg press. You wouldn't put 1.25 each side on leg press, would you? Yeah, you wouldn't. No. no I'd put five kilos. Probably. Yeah, five kilos or 10 kilos, to be honest. Depends where you're at in the rep ranges. Um, or you could just put on 20 kilos aside and just an extra plate can't harm, can it? No. Um, Sometimes you surprise yourself, isn't it? You accidentally put more on than what you expect. And yeah. then somehow you like match the reps and you're thinking, what the fuck has gone on there? I've been stolen for ages, added five kilos by mistake, and bam, I've progressed. Yeah, it just shows so, how much leg training is like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, what's our opinions on the junior physique class in the UK FBA roster? What, this year? Like, uh, in physique. No, oh, oh. this year, yeah. It's just um, my idea, by the way. So before you comment on anything, <laughs> it was my idea because I told Lee that it would be a good idea. So so what categories are there again? So there's... So now we've got... So now we've got a lot of categories. We've got... Um, so female, bikini, fit body, figure, women's bodybuilding, male... Physique, novice, lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight, junior. Uh, that's it. So, oh yeah, shit, masters. So, masters over 40, masters over 50, and grandmasters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, a lot of classes. I mean, the shows are going to be pretty long, you that's know. And before George gives his opinion so he doesn't make me feel horrible <laughs> giving this idea. Um, the reason why I offered it as an idea is because so this is the current situation in junior, sorry, in, in, in bikini and, and physique. It's the same situation in both categories. And by the way, junior physique is a thing at Worlds. Junior bikini, I don't think it is at the moment, but junior physique is. So this is the situation. You get to a qualifier and you're shit hot. Like I'm going to talk about physique, otherwise Danny will get annoyed. You're a shit hot 23-year-old physique guy and you look awesome, but you're always out-muscled unless you're genetic-free, unless you're like Ronnie Coleman. You're always going to be out-muscled. It's, it's, like, it's like us, or maybe not yourself because you did quite well in the lightweights, but it's like a 21-year-old, you know, 21-year-old heavy junior doing the heavyweights, you know, going up against Ben Lloyd. It's kind of that same scenario. You get completely different levels of muscle density so, and the men's physique class at the moment is so competitive. Like the guys at the top are crazy dense, crazy well muscled, and and decent. Like they're decently well aged in terms of their training career. You know, they're like in the late twenties, early thirties. The guys winning. Um, so apart from Kieran, when he won a few times, but the look was completely different. Then Kieran was a lot softer than the guys are now. And if yeah. Kieran had got into that condition that the guys are now, he'd have lost a lot of size. Yeah. So. I think the introduction of juniors allows younger guys, which a lot of the classes in physique are younger guys because they see it as an opportunity to get into competing because it's, I don't know, makes them less nervous because they don't have to just put a little thing around their sack. You know, they're allowed to like cover the full ball sack and, you know, not show the size of the package on stage. That's so immature of me, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's like a less sort of scary thing to do. Yeah. Um, but also it's, it's just like 
less posing to learn. It's just a better introductory class, really, isn't it? So um, I think it will be a very popular decision, that. And then uh, junior bikinis, so again, get people like, so for example, Ali's a really good example, um, Jack's girlfriend. So she's like, what is she, like 18, 19 or something? So she's doing like women's open bikini. She's still doing well because she's got really good shape. But when she's at the finals, again, the muscle density and maturity just isn't there. So she can't, she can't do as well as she might do if she was against girls of the same age. Yeah. So, and then again, it allows people in juniors to be spotted as like talent and to be like rewarded for it as opposed to coming fucking dead last, you know, or, well, Ali didn't come dead last, but, you know, as opposed to, like, you know, not getting what they want, which, you know, for someone like her is probably just winning everything. Um, yeah, so I think you'll, you'd agree. It's going to be a popular thing because there's a lot of young people getting into competing. It's going to be popular. And it's going to not put so many people off from the sport because they do their first show and they come, what, fifth. And they're like, ah, oh, fuck this. I hate competing screw the UK and FBA and like if people cry over it and especially girls, mate, young yeah. girls, it just gets so emotional over, over placings. Yeah, I'd agree. It gives uh, plenty of opportunities for people to be recognized for, for example, their age or whatever. Like, you know, we, the amount of shows I went to this year and men's physique came out and there's like 30 fucking people in one bloody category. Yeah. Awful. And then someone going up against, you know, someone who's like, got 20 years more experience in lifting weight they're going to look they they might you know they, they're going to look better in terms of density maturity compared to you know someone who's like 19 20 for example competing in their first show up against someone who's 36 who's been doing this for years and years and wins it every single time sort of thing so yeah i think it definitely um opens up more doors more opportunities and uh you know the more people in the sport um, promoting more natural bodybuilding the better yeah you know? I totally agree with that. I think it's good. Good. I agree. Uh, do you find sometimes you overcomplicate your training from Will? I think Not so. Really? I think if anything, I simplify my training quite a bit. Because once you find something that works, sort of just run with it, stick with it. I don't really change much unless I really need to, and just do just some tweaks. So I don't, I don't think I overcomplicate in terms of what I do. I just think I overcomplicate in my fucking head. Yeah, 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 yeah. As I've got deeper into this, like I wish I had the same mindset of just going to the gym and just fucking lifting as I was when I was like sixteen, seventeen. Um, I wish I had the same mindset then, and as I do. Now I'm just like, oh my God, I'm not progressing, what's going on? But when I was like 16, I didn't give a fuck. I just trained, you know? Um, and I think, I think when I was actually younger, I, think I still enjoy training, I still love it, otherwise I wouldn't do it. But I enjoyed training way, way, way more when I was younger than what I do now. Like that post on um, Facebook, I put <laughs> one, one, two, plates. three, two, one, go on, you got <laughs> Just did two random reps. I'll go again, I'll go again. Did that, oh, you okay. love it. I love, it. I love it how you count down. You count down and when you unrack it, so you go three, two, one, come on, you cunt. And then and then you un you walk it back and you count down again. You go three, two, one, and go into the first rep. 
I'll go again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. The form was shit, but I used to, I, I used to enjoy it. kilos, 100 kilos as well. It's not yeah. bad for a front squat, too fair, but um, <laughs> three, two, one. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted, I, I want you to do that on all of your lifts now. Yeah. Every time I feel good. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Go on. <laughs> Uh, might as well cut down from fucking six. Six, five, four, three, two, one, go. Go on, you go. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but no, uh, no okay. I think it's all in my head, Will. That's my answer. Uh, cool. Oh, well, I think we've covered pretty much everything, haven't we? <laughs> we've covered all the questions. There's a dog there. Yep, he wants to get in. There you go. Hello, boy. Let's hello to the people. <laughs> oh, dear. Cool, fantastic. That's another episode wrapped up. Yeah, enjoyed it as always. Yeah, thanks very much, guys, for uh, for listening. Yep, and uh, we will see you back next week with uh, a very special guest, of which we have not organised yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the story. Who's that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know myself. I just went, yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have any guests organised. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speak to you. Speak to you next week, guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>